Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Welcome back to the golf edition of the Action Network Podcast. It's Players Championship Week. Right off the top, we're going with some sleepers. My sleeper this week, Harris English, coming off a nice week at Bay Hill. He's kind of been, I said, getting in my way. He's going to be all in my way this week because I'm taking him everywhere. Peter, your sleeper? My sleeper is Keith Mitchell, who also played well at Bay Hill, getting a ton of strokes off the green. He won last year in Florida, and I think this is a nice setup for him. Damn good dogs. He is Peter Jennings. I'm merely Jason Sobel, and this is the Action Network podcast. Love having something actionable right there off the top. We're going to be doing that every week for you from now on. But first, Peter, let's get into uh, the biggest week of the year so far. I just got down to Bonavidra Beach. Uh, it's Monday afternoon as we were taping this, and I can't be more fired up. I've written probably about 5,000 words of preview content already on this thing. And I can't wait to jump in. Uh, initial thoughts on the Players' Championship coming up this week. Uh, I'm very excited. We have a millionaire maker on DraftKings. Uh, it's going to be big action. And we have the strongest field that we're going to have throughout the year. So really exciting. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm also excited to see the tour. Uh, they have a lot of new technology for this. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, before we get too far into this, uh, we mentioned last week, and I'm sure most of you listening have heard that Action Network and the PGA Tour have formed GolfBet, which is a uh, multi-platform partnership giving you the best in content information and data. That ain't going anywhere. And I've had a lot of people like on Tuesday of last week saying, so what does this really mean? And I said, look, we're 24, 36 hours into this thing so far. If I had all the answers for you, uh, that would be bad. I, I love not having that many answers because this is a clean slate and it's only going to get better from what we have now. And what we have now is pretty damn good. So uh, I like where we're headed with that, but not to sound all press releasey, but man, the tour is doing some really cool stuff this week, including every shot from every player streamed live. I don't want to sound like a shill for the tour now after, uh, you know, nipping at their heels, like a, like a little puppy for the last 16 years and now being on their side. But Man, this is really cool, and the cool thing is for betters, for fantasy players, doesn't get much better than sweating, whether you're sweating a first-round leader bet, a guy making the cut on Friday, a guy trying to contend on the weekend. Whatever you're sweating, you're going to be able to sweat in real time watching these guys now, Peter. It's great, and I, I hope the scoring's a little bit better than uh, the last two weeks. It's been a tough sweat just hoping to avoid uh, bogeys and double bogeys, although it's still fun for, for golf, obviously. But, yeah, really thrilled that this is coming to fruition. Obviously the the masters historically has done a great job with the app and love to see the PGA tour embracing this. And, you know, as an avid better and DFS player, uh, being able to sweat all your golfers in real time is going to be a a huge benefit. So fun for that. And uh, it's going to be a great setup and there's a lot of iconic holes of the players and should be an awesome week for golf fans. We're going to get right into the top tier players that we like for this week. But first, uh, there's a reason you guys probably clicked, a lot of you who have never listened before. Hopefully, we have brought a lot of you to the pod. But coming up in just a few minutes, David Faraday of Golf Channel fame, star of stage and screen, is going to join us. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss this because Faraday, he's a pretty good storyteller. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. 
and he brings out some absolutely fantastic ones for us. So uh, stick along. We're, we're going to be with him in just about seven or eight minutes here. Don't fast forward, though, because we've got some picks for this week. Peter, starting right off the top, we, we've got some interesting odds this week. I mean, uh, there are guys like Brooks Kepka who's now 39 to one, Dustin Johnson, 27 to one, Justin Rose, 70 to one, Jason Day coming off of the trawl last week, 80 to one, Sergio Garcia, 85 to one, Jordan Spieth, 95 to one. I mean, all of a sudden with the best field in golf, we've got guys who they can't really hide them on the board right now. The odds makers have figured out who's playing well, who's not, and they have listed them accordingly this week. They really have. And, you know, if you want to buy into some old pedigree, you certainly can. I'm actually going the opposite way. I'm on Rory and I'm on John Rahm, the the two favorites. Rory, six events so far this year, all top tens. Uh, obviously, one last year here, and really been in position to win multiple times already this year. Just some bad Sundays. Uh, I think he is easily the favorite, and that's what the odds makers are telling us. I think he's a great DFS play again. Last week he was super chalky. I don't think he'll be as chalky this week with the really deep field and just kind of the roster constructions that you can make. Uh, John Rahm, though, also deserves a ton of credit. Uh, you know, if he didn't make that that choice to hit the ball out of the bunker last year, um, I think he uh, – or going for it, I think he would have been right there. Uh, yeah. This guy is an absolute machine as well, and that's what I'm looking at the top. I think uh, one other guy that I shouted out last week that I'm really high on is Matsuyama. I think he's another really interesting pick kind of in that top tier, but of the big names, I'm on Rory and Rahm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be. I don't think we would be allowed to do this pod anymore if we sat here saying that Rory and Rom are not good picks this week. I, I obviously like both of them. I've got on my ranking of the field, I did the top 25. I've got Rom number two. I've got Rory number six. So obviously both of them right up there. Uh, Rory, in fact, the, the deja vu factor is very large this week. His numbers basically, his results table looks just like it did last year. A lot of really good finishes nothing worse than sixth place and yet hasn't won yet this year. Uh, this year he's got a third place and three fifth places coming into uh, this week. So uh, if, if the deja vu continues, we might see him winning for a second straight year. As far as other guys though, uh, I mentioned Rob second, Rory sixth on my list. That means somebody else is number one. And that guy this week is Patrick Cantley. I normally don't pick guys coming off a surgery, Peter, but it's not like he had a torn ACL. He was getting treated for a deviated septum. I can only imagine that that is going to help his life off the course, which in turn could help his life on the golf course. And I can't imagine this is, gonna, this is something that's going to take him a while to get used to. He's just going to start sleeping better, feeling better. And uh, I've been waiting for the Cantlay bust out week. We got it at the Memorial last year, but really on an even bigger level. And that could happen this week. So I really like Cantlay. Same deal. I could say just basically ditto for Tony Finau because I'm waiting for the Finau week as well. I put those guys in sort of the same category for a long time now. Guys who are ultra talented. We all know their names. They've contended at big time events. They just haven't come through at the biggest of the big yet. But this could be a good week for either of those players. I love the Cantley call. I think that makes a ton of sense. One of the best guys in terms of approach to the green. Uh, obviously an amazing ball striker. So I think that's a, a really sharp call. You can get him at a discount, obviously, relative to, you know, Rom and Rory. I think he's right there. And uh, I really like Cantley quite a bit as well. Uh, in terms of some other guys uh, at the top, I, I do want to mention a couple other names that I do think uh, are interesting because last week uh, was just such a, a tough event for so many of the guys in the field. Brooks Kepka is someone I want to get your opinion on because Brooks Kepka. 
throughout the year doesn't really play great uh, outside of the majors. Uh, but this has been deemed the fifth major. What are your thoughts on Brooks Kepka, who you mentioned off the top? He's, you know, in that 40 to one range. And, you know, if you look at his stats from last year and just how well he played, certainly seems like a, a long number, but off injury and he hasn't had his best stuff. Did play well, though, on Sunday at, at Bay Hill. My thoughts on Kepka are the same as they were prior to last week's event, which is until he plays well or until we reach a major championship, a true one of the four majors and not the fifth major, uh, I am fading Kepka. So uh, I didn't see enough from him last week. And the real weird thing from Kepka, it's almost like, you know, he's got his back up against this wall. He's kind of, you know, guys dander up a little bit. You know, he said back in L.A. a few weeks ago, hey, you guys have no idea how much my knee is hurting. My knee might never be 100 percent again. And then he comes out and stops playing really well. And, you know, everyone kind of questions, you know, hey, is your knee hurting you? Is that why you're not playing well? He goes, hey, let's not blame this on the knee. I don't know why you guys keep asking about the knee. Wait, I, I, I can't have it both ways, Brooks. I, you know, either the knee hurts and that's the explanation for why you're not playing as well or the knee doesn't hurt and you're just not playing well. Or maybe it's both and the knee hurts and you're not playing well. And maybe it has no factor on it, but at least open up a little bit. And Brooks is one of these guys, very much like Tiger, where he doesn't really want to give us what's going on inside his head. That's okay, but he's talking out of both sides of his mouth right now. So I am, like I said, shorting Kepka for now until we get to a a real major championship. And we'll be there in uh, just about a month's time. I can't wait for that. Oh, by the way, the Masters right around the corner. So looking just a little bit further down the list, other guys that we might like that are Right up there, good players. You know, it's tough not to like a Webb Simpson again who won here just a few years ago. Um, Obviously like him. Bryson DeChambeau is a guy that I've been on uh, for a while now. Top fives in each of his last three starts. And I I don't feel like he's played his best golf yet, Peter. I mean, Bryson is getting a ton of respect in the markets, up to number four in the field in terms of odds. Uh, Certainly looks to me anyways like – I mean, the way he's driving the golf ball and the distance that he's been able to add is a real factor. And he's starting to figure out his wedges and his short game made an incredible birdie on 18 on Sunday uh, on the hardest hole in the golf course at API. So I'm with you uh, on DeChambeau. I think he's an amazing DFS pick. And I think, you know, I'm very bullish on Rory and Rahm, but DeChambeau is going to enter that conversation with JT as kind of the cream of the crop in terms of the PGA Tour. So I'm totally with you on DeChambeau. And I was going to mention uh, Tony Finau as well. I'm hoping Tony plays well this week. Uh, another guy who just mashes the golf ball, gains a ton of strokes, tee to green. If he can putt well, uh, this could be a great week for him and one of the nicest guys on tour. So pulling for Tony Finau, who I think uh, has some really nice DFS value. And, you know, depending on price, you can find him 55, 60 to 1 in some markets. So I think uh, there could be potentially some value there. Reminder coming up in just a minute, we've got David Faraday. And again, you don't want to miss, uh, especially this, the one story, the story everyone will be talking about, the story that might have made you click this link off of Facebook or Twitter already if you're not a regular listener. But uh, trust me, you do not want to miss that. Let's get to uh, really quick, Peter, the sleepers right off the top of the show. I mentioned Harris English, who's coming off uh, another top 10 at Bay Hill this past week. He's played really well lately. You mentioned Keith Mitchell, another UGA product. Uh, Those guys uh, look like they're both trending in the right direction. Uh, I'll give you a couple other names. And, man, because it's such a good field, the numbers are so high this week. Brant Snedeker, 
Ian Poulter are each 170 to one this week. Yes, please. Yeah, I, I like those. I mean, you definitely can look for some guys that have really, really long odds. Keith Mitchell is one of my favorites because of how well he's hitting the ball off the tee and his uh, history in Florida. Uh, another guy that's a long shot you can find some places, 200 to one. Jonathan Vegas, who is amazing. Number two in strokes gained off the tee last mm. year. I really like Vegas this week at a price around 200 to one. Uh, another cheap DFS play. Uh, you know, he can make a lot of birdies in a hurry. And I think it sets up pretty well, uh, given how well he drives the golf ball. You know, I really like that call. He was top five last year. I was just thinking a few weeks ago watching him play that he's a guy that doesn't get enough respect around the industry. I mean, I know that he hasn't he hasn't played in that many big-time events. He certainly hasn't won any real big events. But, I mean, everything's there. The guy, big guy, hits it high, hits it far. He's got a nice touch around the greens. I, I think Jonathan Vegas is going to be a better player uh, – both in the short term and the long term that I think a lot of people realize. So I, I think that's a very sharp call there, Peter. We're going to get to our DraftKings lineup for the week. Uh, as we do every week, we will make a six-man lineup for the Players' Championship. But now, let me introduce the star of Ferrity on Golf Channel. He'll be calling the action on Golf Channel and NBC throughout this week. My man, David Ferrity. Let's go. David, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I've been thinking about this one for a while, and there's no other way to ask this other than why are people bitching so much in golf? And I don't mean when your ball bounces into a bunker and takes a bad bounce. I mean the ball goes too far and the equipment's too this and the courses are too that and the players are too this. Didn't we all kind of get into this game because we love the game and, and we cheer for the game? We like watching the players. We like playing. And it just feels like there's so many negative sentiments towards golf right yeah. now. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, some of it has got to do with uh, the, the public perception uh, of professional golfers and, you know, compared to the ruling body's perception of amateur golfers. I've always said that, that we're worried about the least important group of golfers out there, mm -hmm. and that would be tour pros. You know, whether or not, uh, you know, the game's getting too easy or they're hitting the ball too far. The average amateur is not finding the game easy, mm -hmm. and, and the average amateur is... Uh, you know, the most important golfer in the game. They, they watch TV. They pay for the 30-second slots. They, uh, you know, if it weren't for them, none of this would be happening. So, uh, you know, I did the answer. The short answer to your question is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, that would be uh, so. But uh, I, I think that's the way that it is. You know, if you, if you want to make our old courses relevant again, you know, the Marians you know, and, and that kind of thing, make the ball bigger. Mm. You know, we did it once before. It's yeah. the simplest one-step solution to all of this stuff let the manufacturers make what they want you know we went from 162 to 168 and i don't see why we shouldn't go to 172 it makes the ball bigger it makes it harder to hit far harder to hit straight you know it brings you know your old hazards well penalty areas you know back into play <laughs> uh, maybe i'm naive to this in other sports i know tennis has gone through a similar sort of equipment generational boost where you know the game has become much faster it's become a different game but it feels like if you're a football fan you're a basketball fan you're just like man this is cool i i'm not worried about technology i'm not worried about uh, modern invention because i just like watching the game and i like watching the best of the yeah. best play and it feels like the chorus of it's broken we have to fix it outcries the chorus of Man, what a great game. I'm glad we get to enjoy it all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And again, you know, I don't know why that would be. Other sports, you know, the football is the football, unless you're deflating it, I suppose. 
you know, that never happens again, you know, with the tape, but it, it wouldn't really matter what you did to the football. I mean, you couldn't throw it any farther. I mean, it's already got dimples, right? But golf, I, I don't know. It occupies a special place in sports. Uh, I think, you know, there's just something noble about, about the game. Every now and then we get a hiccup along the way with that, you know, with the Patrick Reed thing wasn't particularly noble. But it makes people feel differently about it than they do about other sports. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something pure there. You've spoken already about the Patrick Reed situation. Uh, I think a lot of us have seen what you said. After you say things like that and it goes public, do you care? Yeah, I care. You know, I'm, I'm not. I don't care that it went public. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I care. You know, that people know how I feel about mm-hmm. it. You know, that's uh, that, I mean, that's how I feel. It's it's not a secret. You know, it's not a surprise. I think probably to most people. I wrote recently that for the first time in a long time and maybe the first time in the game's history that the best player in the world is also the best interview in the world. I think that Rory McIlroy right now, granted this might change in the next three weeks, will say, boy, John Rahm's the best player in the world because he just won two straight events. But right now, Rory is the best player in the world Mm -hmm. and he's the most honest and he's the most genuine. The most likable. And the most likable. And even if his opinion is off on an island, he gives his opinion with conviction. Yeah. What is it about Rory that makes him so genuine? Well, I mean, it's, that's the word. He is genuine about, you know, how he grew up and where he grew up and his, his mom and dad's. You know, I was the assistant pro at Hollywood Golf Club 19 years before Rory was born. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew his mom and dad and long before uh, Rory was around. I didn't know them particularly well, uh, to be honest. But his values, you know, the way, the way he was brought up, you know, you can tell he has, still has his old school friends. Well, he has one of them carrying his bag. Yeah, right. And 20 years from now, Rory McIlroy will have exactly the same group of friends that he did have when he was in school. I say that I always trade in stories, that stories are my commodity out here. What's your best Rory McIlroy story? Best Rory McIlroy story. I remember when he unraveled, was it 2011? The, yes. the, the Masters on the back nine, and I was very, uh, I was very worried about him. You know, and I, I sort of care more about him than most people. You think because you know we're from the same town and uh, or the same area, and uh, I, I thought, oh my God, my boy, you know, what am I gonna, uh, how's he gonna take that? So I went around to Chubby's house. You know, Andrew Chandler, who was mm-hmm. his, uh, uh, he was staying with him uh, at the time. He was there with two of his pals from uh, high school and sitting drinking a coke in the corner you know, telling some stories or whatever. And I said, are you all right, son? And he looked at me and he said, yeah. He said, you know, if that's the worst day I ever had, I'll be lucky. Pretty um, good perspective for a kid who was, what, 22, 24 at that absolutely. point? Well, yeah, I was thinking he was 22. And um, he went on and he won the next major by eight. Yeah. And the one after that. So, I mean, that's an indication of this, this, the depth of character that you have there. And uh, just his outlook on life, even, you know, for one so young. I kind of like this game. What's your best Tiger Woods story? Jeez. One that I can tell. We'd prefer one you can't tell and you just tell yeah, it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I watched him grow up on the golf course. Uh, the, the minute I became a broadcaster, you know, he turned he turned pro. We were sort of intertwined. God, what can I tell? Uh, well, he put x lax in my cereal one morning. He, he's, never, uh, he's never admitted it, but it was an exhibition match. Justin Leonard and Curtis Strange and Tiger and myself were playing in New Bern, uh, Sarah Strange's breast cancer charity it was. And uh, he had uh, spiked my cereal in the morning, you know, and there were 15,000 people out there. And we, we had uh, a mobile PA system on carts, you know, with speakers. We we're all wearing lavalier mics. And the crowd could hear us, you know, the whole lot. It was good crack until about, you know, the 12th hole. I got a code brown, complete panic stations. <laughs> and uh, I had to make my way through about 30 deep, you know, people 
you know, uh, uh, around the, the 12th tee and I set off into the woods and about 40 of them set off after me <laughs> with Sharpies and pieces of paper and stuff like that. You know, I had to beat them off with a stick. It, uh, it worked out okay. There was, was a house the other side of the fence, you know, on the other side of the, the next fairway. And, uh, you know, there, there's nothing, nothing more difficult than having explosive diarrhea quietly. It's just, I mean, it doesn't happen. So I, I came back anyway after having to apologize to this little lady whose house I burst into. And um, I came back uh, and there were 15,000 people lying on the ground laughing. I'm still wearing my lavalier mic. Oh, no. Uh, and Tiger Tiger never gave it up, huh? Never gave it up, no. I mean, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was him. We here at the Action Network, we focus on betting. Well, I, I bet this won't make air. Right, that's <laughs> a very good bet. Uh, most of my stuff doesn't. What's the most you ever lost betting in golf? Sam Torrance and I played Lenny Watkins and Mark O'Meara in the first uh, match uh, of the 91, our first match of the uh, 91 Ryder Cup. And I had had uh, a little flutter on Sam and myself, mm -hmm. you know, to win. So, I mean, I, I think I, I stood to win. Uh, I, it, it wasn't a, a vast sum of money. Like it might have been a thousand pounds, something like that. But I ended up with a 10-footer on the last hole to half the match. I, and I'd forgotten about the bet. It was one of those things right, that, sure. uh, you know, I was so petrified, you know, throughout the whole experience that, you know, I'd forgotten that we even had a bet. But that was, uh, yeah, I might as well make the putt, but didn't win the money. Hmm. You know, golf and betting, you, you don't play golf without having at least something. I don't care if it's a quarter on the line. It doesn't matter what the yeah. amount is. I mean, we've now gotten a partnership with the PGA Tour. I think they understand sort of the investment and engagement that fans can have if they yeah. are just a very small piece of the action even. And More than just, emotionally invested? Yes. yes. And instead of just rooting, I think, yeah, this is my feeling, instead of just, hey, we know Tiger and we know Rory, it's all of a sudden, Brendan Todd's on the leaderboard. I got 10 bucks on him. Let's go watch that guy because, yeah. uh, you know, I can win some money there. Does it, can it help the game? I'm all for it, you know, as long as, you know, a decent part of the proceeds go to the local area charities. Mm. You know, the way, I mean, the PGA Tour is the, the most generous, the most extraordinary sporting body, governing body. I think, you know, the amount of money that they generate from a demographic that is criticized, quite often, you know, for being elitist or, or whatever, you know, I think we have every right to be proud of ourselves with what we do from a charitable standpoint. It's a very generous, generous sport with a generous demographic. You know, the gambling, as long as it's handled properly, I mean, I'd, I've, I've been familiar with it for, for many years with uh, the sports betting in the UK mm -hmm. where you could, you know, take, I mean, I'm sure you can do it here now, right? You can take one player against another. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think uh, that ultimately it'll be a good thing. Let's talk about the Players' Championship next week. I want to ask you for a pick. I know you're broadcasting there, but what kind of player wins the Players' Championship? I mean, we've seen everything from Rory last year, who mm -hmm. absolutely bombs it off the tee, to Fred Funk back in the yeah. day. We've seen uh, big-name guys. Tiger has two wins to a Craig Perks or a Stephen yeah. Ames that doesn't have quite the pedigree. What kind of player should we expect to play well there, and has it changed in the move from May to March? Is it a longer course, and can we expect guys to um, guys that hit it a longer way and play their long and mid irons better yeah, to have a better uh, chance? Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely it's such it places such a an emphasis on on second shots. You know, it's not a particularly easy course to drive like the Open Championships, like any any other major championship. And I mean, I do consider the players to be a major. You know, they can call it whatever they want. The whole connective tissue of it is just a screams major. You know, it's the best field. It's a fa fabulous golf course to come back to. You know, once. and it's really only the second major. If you think of the Masters, you know, it comes back to the same course every year, mm -hmm. where people get familiar 
with uh, the golf course. They know every shot on it. You know, so for us as uh, broadcasters, it's probably one of the easier events to do because there's no commentary required. It's just punctuation. You know, yeah. people are aware of what they see. So, I mean, uh, the, the type of player that uh, that wins with it being moved back, you know, I would expect to see someone, you know, even someone like Graham McDowell mm. or, uh, you know, who's, who's playing a little better, you know, might, might contend there. Somebody who can hit the ball in the wind. Only Northern Irishman. That's right. David, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> oh, my goodness. David Faraday is a legend. Code Brown is a term that I had not actually heard before, but I will, uh, unfortunately, I hopefully not have to use very often for myself, but that, that is a term that I think a lot of us will be using, whether it's your, you know, your two-year-old kid who's got a, a diaper that needs changing or uh, whether you yourself are uh, running off to the neighbor's house after uh, someone has spiked your cereal with Xlax, the Code Brown terminology. I, I think that could become part of the golfer lexicon. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. Hilarious. Uh, Faraday's superpower for sure is telling stories. And uh, I hope I never have to use Code Brown uh, when I'm on the golf course. <laughs> and uh, it's a good uh, it's a good terminology for, you know, your wife with kids or something like that. But uh, yeah, awesome interview with Faraday. He's the best. He's seriously just such a nice guy. And uh, when I sat down with him, he he would have given me an hour if I needed it. And uh, he's just a, a very kind, kind man. Everyone says, you know, wow, he's really fun. There, there's some people out there who they try to be funny. You know, they they tell jokes and you say, wow, man, that's a funny guy. David is funny without trying to be funny. David tells a story and just his storytelling is funny. You know, there's no jokes to it. If you ever watch his stand-up show, he's gone around the country doing his stand-up show. It, it's not stand-up telling jokes it's stand up telling stories and he just tells true stories and everyone laughs and says man he's so funny and david's just sitting there looking back at him going i'm not trying to be funny i'm just telling my stories i respect the man a lot and i uh, i really enjoy being around him so uh thanks again to david for doing that and also he, he made a good point there peter uh you know i i think we're going to see uh, we always see ball strikers it's a second shot golf course dbc sawgrass but i think the move to back to March last year for the first time since 2006, I think brings in more of the 150, 175, 200 and plus yard approach shots that we don't necessarily see, especially from some of the game's better players on a week in week out basis. A lot of these guys are driver wedge putter. And yet this week we are going to see guys having to hit six irons and seven irons into greens. And I think the guys who do that the best may have the best chance. And it's probably a good explanation for why Rory McIlroy was the winner of this golf tournament last year. Absolutely. And, you know, depending on the temperatures, we've had some brutal weather uh, in this Florida swing so far. We'll see what transpires this week. Uh, should be warmer than it was last week. Uh, but absolutely. I mean, that's where you can look at a lot of like proximity stats and strokes gained approach from specific yardages. And I agree. I think we'll see a lot of those 175 to 200 yard approaches, which is going to bring different clubs into the hands of some of the guys that are hitting a bunch of driver wedges, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the season on the PGA Tour. So it should be really interesting. And I do think there's some some interesting value. Uh, and in DFS, you can definitely get contrarian because we have so many big names. By the way, you mentioned it earlier. And the fact that the Honda was really tough, six under winner, only 16 guys under par this past week at the API, only four guys under par, and the winning score was four under. It's been mentioned, it's sort of this uh, kind of momentum idea right now, but with the Valspar next week at another really tough course, Innisbrook, 
TBC Sawgrass might be the easiest venue on the Florida swing this year. Yeah, which just says a lot. I mean, I just can't. The API, the way it played over the weekend was just insane. I mean, Max Homa, the only person under par on Saturday. A couple guys who got off early on Sunday were able to go under par. Bryson, who we talked about before, played really well, finished under par. But it was uh, very, very tough conditions. Um, and, you know, when the wind's howling in Florida and they make the greens really firm uh, and the wind wipes out the moisture, I mean, that'll neutralize even the best golfers in the world. Uh, so, I'm hoping we have more birdies and lower scoring for the players, but we will see. We should. And the weather here is supposed to be perfect throughout the week, somewhere in the mid-70s with just a little touch of a breeze throughout this golf course. But it will not be, I don't think, anything like the uh, brutality that we've seen the last couple of weeks. So before we jump into our DFS lineup, let me tell you about an awesome promotion. Points Bet Sportsbook is running in New Jersey and Indiana this week. New users who bet $5 on Rory McIlroy win $150 in free bets as long as Rory McIlroy makes one birdie. Yes, one birdie the entire tournament. I like those chances. Bet five, win 150 if Rory makes a birdie at TPC Sawgrass this week. Click the link in the episode description to claim this offer at PointsBet in New Jersey and Indiana. Let's get into our DraftKings lineup. We do it every week, picking six golfers, fitting them into a lineup, trying to help you guys. Hey, we cashed last week, Peter. We went six for six, making the cut, lineup cashed, momentum trending in the right direction you want to kick us off here yeah and let's let's kick it off and let's hopefully win a million dollars that would be that'd be nice awesome. i would be all for that one thing i will say about the players that's really important this week the pricing came out before uh last week so uh players are not priced like they normally are uh last week's results are not baked in so someone like Tyrell hatton 7400 uh there's a couple other names that i think are going to be popular so you can use that to your advantage uh, from an ownership perspective, and it's certainly something that I think makes quite a bit of sense uh, this week. I'll start with Bryson DeChambeau, who I, mm-hmm. I think is another one of those guys who is underpriced relatively and might not catch the ownership of like a Hatton. Uh, he's 9,100. We're both on the same page with DeChambeau. He is gaining so many strokes off the tee with his distance, and you know we've talked about it a little bit how – you know, it's tough to figure out your wedge distances and all your stuff once you've gained all that extra swing speed. And I think he's dialed in now. And if he can putt well, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau at 9,100 easily could win the tournament. And he's now fourth in outright odds. Uh, so I think Bryson DeChambeau is a screaming value this week. I may have DeChambeau in every lineup, not just this week, but for the next month. And yes, that includes a certain week in April. I like him a lot moving forward. So I am all about that DeChambeau pick at 9,100. I feel like there's a lot of value later in the board, so I don't mind spending some money early. I told you Patrick Cantlay is number one on my list. I, I just have a, I just have a, a thing about not putting the guy who I'm picking to win into the lineup, so I've got to do it. Patrick Cantlay, 9,800. Yeah, if you're going to go with the you know, second shot golf course, which I, I do believe it is, he fits that mold. You know, hasn't played much this season, but still top 10 and is always right there in strokes gained approach. So I think Cantlay makes a ton of sense. And, you know, with this lineup, we still have a good amount of money to spend. And like you mentioned, there's a ton of guys that are really, really cheap. Real quick about Cantlay. It doesn't get talked about that much, but I feel like Cantlay has about as high a floor as anybody. I mean, we always talk about ceilings and yes, he's got a high ceiling as well, but Cantlay never really puts up a stinker or very infrequently has a stinker. It usually is a a, a good solid tournament for him. So he might be in 18th place if he doesn't quite have it all together, or he might win. I just don't see a guy like Cantley missing the cut. So I, I love the floor that he can provide. 
Totally agree. I'd say outside of Rory, he's got the highest floor potentially out there. I mean, JT is a little more volatile. He's gotten a lot better with that. Uh, Rom certainly is capable. I mean, he's played great, but uh, we've seen him get heated before. So I agree with you. I think Cantley has a really nice floor and it makes a, a really good cash game play. Uh, I will give us even a lot of salary because I think one of the best values on the board is Vegas, who I mentioned before. 6300 uh price tag. Finished fifth last year here. Playing well. I mean, played well at the Honda Classic. Had a chance, yeah. uh, you know, at the Puerto Rico. Made a huge charge of the 62 on Sunday. So I like Vegas at 6300 And I think he's going to be somewhat contrarian because I think a lot of people are just going to make these balance builds. I mean, the numbers are really good across the board. Recent form solid uh hits it a long way again course history he was top five last year I, I just first of all don't understand why he's so low and secondly he's one of these guys I, I mentioned on the pod a few weeks ago Taylor Gooch Taylor Gooch I, I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone mention his name until a couple of weeks ago even though he's been a good player on tour for about a year and a half already and Jonathan Vegas is a guy okay well his name gets mentioned here and there he's won tournaments but I feel like he never is up there in a discussion of like Hey, who's a good sleeper pick? Who's a good surprise pick? I love the Jonathan Vegas pick, especially at 6,300, giving us some salary there. And so I, I'm looking down the list, and it's a guy that we've both mentioned. And, boy, he's he's actually under the average price. We have 24.8 left to spend. Tony Finau at 8,100, just staring us right in the face at a guy that uh, we could really fit in this lineup now. I'm going to take him. Okay. Well, I, I was going to go a chalkier pick here, and I think we have a, enough differentiation. Uh, and I think these both these guys have the potential to be very highly owned, uh, but I think both of them are two of the top values. I'll let you choose out of this. Deku Matsuyama or Sung J.M.? I was very close. If you had asked me which two are you thinking, I would have gotten him, and I would have thought Colin Morikawa, who I know you absolutely love. And yep. um, on last week's pod, I said I need him to prove something to me in Florida. He proved it with the T9 last week, so I do like Morikawa this week. But of those two guys, I'm going him. The guy's a machine. He just he shows up every week. No hangover from the celebration after winning at the Honda. Third place at Bay Hill. And this should be another really good course for him. I just don't see him playing poorly. I mean, I don't know that he's going to go out and finish first or third again, but I don't think he finishes in 58th place either. I just don't think it's in him. Yeah, I mean, Sungjae has played incredible one of the best ball strikers for sure on the PGA tour. And I, I mean, he just loves to grind and he's just going around. You mentioned it. Uh, he doesn't have a house. He's just going around from PGA tour event to PGA tour event. And uh, a lot of people were very bullish on Sung Jay when he first came on the tour and that has come to fruition playing awesome on this Florida stretch. And he might be chalky, which is the only negative thing I can say about him, but uh, he is a screaming value at 8,600. We have 8,100 left. Where are you going with the next pick, or our last pick, I should say? Our last pick, I, I am pondering leaving a bunch of money on the table and going down to Ian Poulter or Brant Snedeker, both of whom I really like this week. Okay. But I, I like, know that I if I asked your guys. opinion, what's that? I said I'm fine with both those guys. Okay. But I know, okay, at least I think if I asked your opinion, and I had Colin Morikawa sitting there at 7,900 under budget, that you would suggest going with Morikawa. Am I right? That's the that's the chalk answer, but that might not be in the millionaire maker. We might have too chalky of a team, but for a cash game, if the team we have right now, I think has a lot of value. Okay. Uh, so for a cash game, I don't hate Morikawa or even like a smaller tournament. But for the millionaire maker, uh, leaving money on the table is actually really sharp, especially in this tournament. It's only two point two five million total prize pool, a million to first. So you're looking at almost half of the money going to first place. 
And the easiest way to make sure you have a unique lineup is leaving money on the table. Well, let's go win a million dollars. I'm going to go down then to a guy that I know some guys back in the Action Network office might be rooting for this week. Ian Poulter at 7,300. Uh, he's got two career runner-up finishes at this tournament, usually plays well. Four straight finishes of 32nd or better tells you he's in pretty solid form coming into this one. I could see it being an Ian Poulter kind of week, especially maybe if the wind kicks up just a little bit, could help him out with his ball flight. So that is our team right there. Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau, Sungjae M, Tony Finau, Ian Poulter, and Jonathan Vegas, leaving $800 in salary on the table. Peter Jennings, are you happy with this lineup? I'm thrilled with this lineup. I think it's a great millionaire maker team, and I love the Poulter call. He's in really good current form and underrated at 7,300. And you can say that about a lot of guys. You do, you can build a star-studded team, but uh, he is one of the guys I think stands out from a value perspective, and uh, I love the squad. Any final thoughts before we uh, we move on and get out of here? Uh, I will say I think Rory Aram wins it, but – uh, I'm hopeful that we have a tight leaderboard with a lot of these guys. And uh, man, I couldn't be more excited about just where golf is going. Obviously thrilled about our partnership with the PGA Tour. And we have the players this week and Augusta and the Masters will be here before we know it. So great time to be a golf fan. The one last thing I'll add, and I wrote it in a couple of different preview pieces already, but you can't fake it at TBC Sawgrass. You've either got it when you get here or you don't have it at all. You can't find it once you arrive on site. So look for the guys who have played well already this year. Those should be the same players who are on the leaderboard this week. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the golf edition of the Action Network podcast. Remember, our show is always available to listen and download on Spotify. Good luck betting the Players' Championship this weekend. Thank you so much to David Faraday, and we will see you again next week. We're finished talking.